0: Hey everyone, it is September 2020. And you know what that means? All month long, we are celebrating the one year anniversary of the release of my Amazon best-selling book, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. So here's what I ask you to do go to Instagram and go to my account, the.freedomlifestyle, the.freedomlifestyle, and throughout the month of September, we're gonna be announcing a number of special activities and events. Guess what, right now, if you go to Kindle, you can get the Kindle version of my book for just 99 cents. But we're also gonna be announcing special book giveaways, hardcover signed copies of my book, a new special email course I'll be offering. That's throughout the month of September. But to learn more about it, go to Instagram and look up my account, the THE.freedomlifestyle. We're marking the one year anniversary of the release of Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle throughout the month of
1: September and I want you to be a part. You can do anything to excess. You can breathe too much. You can drink too much water. You name it, you can do it too much. That's why balance exists in in most things in nature and in the universe.
0: What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. And welcome, everyone. We are live for another incredible interview here on the Freedom Media Network. Welcome to everyone from Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, who's joining us. And welcome to all those who are watching this later on YouTube, wherever you listen to our podcast, Freedom Mindset Radio. And by the way, if you haven't checked it out, go to freedommedianetwork.com, where we feature articles. Taken from our interviews here, our live interviews, as well as other news you can use to improve your mindset, your health, your business, your branding, whatever it is. It's all about building a life of freedom that you design for yourself. And I got to tell you, I'm pumped for today's interview because over the past year, I've come to incorporate breath work and breathing into my routine. I haven't even scratched the surface yet, so I'm really looking forward to to today's discussion with Shane Saunders, breathing expert, author, co-founder of the Virtual Breathing Space. You were in the Royal Australian Defense Forces, too. Mm-hmm. Total badass. You trade divers. I want to learn about that. Shane, but before we get into all that, the first question I like to ask all my guests is that word freedom. What does the word
1: freedom mean to you? Oh, this is a Great, you're starting up with something that's that's huge up front. I um I really have thought a lot about this, Kurt, in in, in the world that we live in uh, currently, and I think really what freedom means to me is to to be as accepting of the world that I live in right now. Because if I can be, th- this is where I am. I'm in I'm in this body in this lifetime. And to be accepting and have a, have as much allowance as I can for everything that goes on around me, I really think that that really constitutes a, a really great base of freedom for me. Because you know, you 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 cultivate the mindset of um, you know things happen for you, not to you. Um, you know, you, you be more accepting, and and I think that you know my life's just flowed a lot better since I've since I've really looked at that um, that that aspect of. Of what that means to me.
0: I, lo- I love that term flow. I, I wrote a book, five pillars of the freedom lifestyle and the fifth pillar was flow. And a lot of the, I call them hustle and grind pornographers will tell you to grind your way into the ground. It's just about brute force, right? But when you get in that state of flow, which really has connections to breath work, right? I mean, whether uh-huh. it's the Tao whether it's the Gita and the words, the very word spirit includes breath uh-huh. and prana and you uh-huh. get in that state of flow. And it, it really is that you get in the flow of life so that you start absorbing the energy and moving with it instead of tense, right? Cause when you're tense, what happens? You're in that constant state of cortisol shock and, you start breaking down, which we had a long discussion before we even got live today, which is I think some of what's or a lot of what's even before COVID and what's going on is going on in the world today.
1: Yeah, 100%. And look, you open up a, a really broad base of stuff that I love to, to really talk about. And um, first, first, what I'd like to say about that tension is that uh, life doesn't happen without that balance. Right, without that balance of flow and tension, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fine dance that happens. And if you think about that from, uh, you know, you can look at it from the physical point of view of, um, you know, the body flows. If you look at any really experienced martial artists, what you'll find, and I found this, um, this in my in my career training special forces soldiers and divers and and military personnel, is that relaxation. Is really the key to generating power. Like it's it's a it's such a you know like most things in nature, there's a uh, there's a there's a contradictory type thing with nature, right? Like you know we all you know we think that um, say a bushfire in nature, and we've had fires here here in, in uh, just recently. Wow. But people go, oh, it's so bad and, you know, and all all that. But this is what nature does, right? Nature puts a pressure, um, you know, it's termed like a hormetic stress, right? You've heard of people doing like um, cold baths or heat work, you know, where they put a stress on their body and your body responds. So you have to have that certain amount of tension when it comes to it. So breathing really is is like the physical aspect of that of understanding tension and flow in the body, and uh, one of the like we've really broken breathing down into very simplistic types of models to look at it from that perspective. And one of them is that breathing raises awareness, right? Mm-hmm. When you sit and you notice your breathing, you're raising the awareness in your body because it's such an intricate type of process in the body, and you're doing it. You've been doing it since you were born, and you're going to do it until you expire, right? So you're so you're constantly doing this this one thing. You know, your heart beats, your blood flows, and you breathe. It's a truth. It's a physical truth that happens, right? And so, um, if we look at that from the from the aspect of raising awareness or becoming more aware, then we're getting personal evolution from breathing, right? And it's a you know it's a very deep very deep concept, but very, very basic to also understand. Um, Then we kind of move on to what I've found has become massively important is understanding CO2 in the body. Mm. Now, this is another counter sort of, uh, you know, people only usually focus on oxygen. They're like, oh, oxygen's important. CO2 is just as important if not It's equally as important, let's just say, because you require the right amount of CO2 for your body to actually receive the oxygen into the tissues and many other things. Blood pH gets balanced by CO2. Blood pH, believe it or not, affects your personality. It affects how you show up. It affects your habits, right? So, so all the unconscious habitual things that we do, you know, those things that we do and we go, why do I keep doing that? You know, "What do, do I keep having this happen to me? Unconscious habits. It's actually affected by CO2. So when you learn to tolerate more CO2, you um, I call it microdosing on the fear of death, right? It's, you know, it's pausing your breath basically is the way that you do it. So breath holding, right? And then, you know, people's fear builds up. They get to lean into their fear. They get to understand Mm. that a lot of panic and fear is in your breathing and that you can extinguish that quite easily with a very, very um, simple but profound Uh, technique of pausing that. And the third bit was, I've come a long way around to this uh, story about flow. The third bit is understanding that you have a passive and active part in your breathing, right? Like you can, as you breathe in and breathe out, you can allow the breath to come in and then you can draw the breath in and then you can allow the breath to flow out and then you push the air out. So there's this active and passive flow part. If you take that to a mechanical aspect, Um, and, and this is, you know, even in a hydraulic aspect, the rate of flow is determined by the pressure and the aperture, right? So if you have a lot of pressure and a small aperture, you're going to get a high rate of flow, but it's going to be small, right? Whereas if you open up that aperture and you have the right pressure gradient there, you get the right amount of flow through. So when you understand your breathing in your body, when pressure comes on you, you know, like... How many times a day we have pressure come on us? We've right. got mental stresses, we've got relationship stresses, we've got stresses in our business. This teaches you how to handle pressure, so you can create flow, right? And this is and this is an aspect. So it goes a little bit beyond taking you into a flow state, which it can. But I'm talking about more at a physical level that you can actually learn how to. You know, a lot of people don't like the term energy. You know, a lot of people go, oh, it's a bit woo woo," but it's it really is. Like it's a, it's learning to regulate energy through the body, right? So for example, if you feel angry, if you start breathing in a way that starts dispelling that anger and you do it for, you know, even if you do it for two minutes or three minutes, you will have a state shift. There's just no, you know, I mean, you know, through your, probably your own practices, you start and then by the end of your practice, you just feel different.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's times I do. Well, Well, I, I want to get into it because I asked you a question, but I, <laughs> I, I've been doing the Wim Hof method right. since last year, and there's, uh, what was it, two weeks ago? No, it was last week. Well, there was a couple things that happened, but I got, you, you know, when you, you ever get a foot cramp in the bottom of your foot? Uh-huh. Like, that's horrible. Like, it hurts, and usually it would flip me right off the bed or the seat. I got a foot cramp. I remember getting it, but I was in a dream state, where I remember getting it, but it was like someone else had it. And I went through it and I finished it, but then I couldn't walk afterwards. And then mm-hmm. I started remembering, wait a second, I had a foot cramp. It's this weird thing. I tried to explain it to my wife and she's like, what? I'm like, you know, I was high. I was in a, it was like, I was, you know, on, on morphine or something. It it, it was, it was so interesting. There was a lot that I would, that I really want to unpack in what, in what you said. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I'll touch on real quick and, and we can go back to it. The CO2. Have you mm. read, uh, the book
1: breathe by James Nestor? I, I haven't read the whole thing. I'm, I'm listening to it on audio right yeah. now. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm familiar with the book. Yes. Got
0: it. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's one thing. He really goes into the CO2 mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. that, uh, and did some interesting experiments on himself, uh, <laughs> and, 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 another person, but I want to get into all that and unpack all that. But what brought you to this point? Cause you got a fascinating background, mm-hmm. uh, your wife, Angie, you two are business partners in addition to being husband and wife, being yeah. mother and father. You were, you, like you mentioned, you, you were training special forces. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us uh, how do you become a breathing expert? You know yeah. what, what brought you to this point?
1: Yeah, that's a it's a great it's a great question. So um, where I'll start is back in the 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 special forces days. So um, you know joining the military, I joined at sixteen. I, I looking back now, it was like I wanted to put myself through a rite of passage. Like I felt like that that wasn't missing in my life. It was just an intuitive thing that I had. I was like, I have to get out. I have to be disciplined because I wasn't disciplined. Mm-hmm. so that's kind of how I got to the military. Once I got to the military, um, I didn't quite fit in the military quite well. I was always like, I want to do things better or how can we change this? And everyone's like, just get in line, stay in line. This is how we've done things. This is how you'll do them. So there's, you know, there's, there's, there's pluses and minuses to right, to being <laughs> in that environment. And if you look at it the right way and take the pluses out of it, um, so I got into fitness training in the military, and I was training general, um, you know, uh, uh, sailors, um, airmen and army. I got to I got to work on a um, what they call a tri-service base. So we, we worked with all three forces, and um, just naturally looking for the next mountain, the next mountain to, to climb it was special forces was the next, Mm. was the next pinnacle. So, um, you know, I, I, engaged in the training. I went through all the training myself. I got to the end of the training and kind of decided that I didn't want to be a professional soldier. I'm just not violent enough, um, for that. You know, there's, there's a certain type of person, um, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, you have to have a certain type of uh, emotional detachment for mm-hmm. for certain type of work. Like, let's not, you know, we won't beat around the bush. That's just the way. You know, we do need those people to protect us sometimes. So, um, you know, in seeing that, I kind of thought, well, I'm I'm going to move on from that. But before I did that, what I what I noticed was I noticed that training an elite athlete is very interesting you know they you can push them to certain degrees physically you know where they turn up for training and how they train and their their mindset is is super important in that but there's something slightly different about actually training for survival and live combat and also training to be really really uncomfortable you know training to uh, resist interrogation or training to um, you know sit in a wetsuit for three days in cold water and and just sit there and and be, you know, there's, there's something different that happens. So I got very interested in what is the difference? Like what, what is it that, that allows uh, someone to be able to do that? And obviously getting in there myself and doing it and trying to understand from that perspective, well, what's different about me? Um, What I put it down to was one that I already mentioned. People that can go through those processes have learned how to relax into intensity. It's, Mm. it's the only way to do it. You, you can't fight. Your way, you, you at some stage you have to understand what surrender means, and surrendering into a process or surrendering into um, you know harsh environments or things like that. Uh, you know, it's a very old martial arts type of uh, concept. The other and, thing, and that's, of-
0: and that's really hard if you've never done it. It just sounds like crazy, right? Like what? I'm going to relax myself into intensity. That makes no sense. I got to, I got to take 62 really deep, fast breaths, (laughs) tense up and then go. Right. And, (laughs) and it's interesting when you watch Olympic sprinters, for instance, they are all right. Beforehand, they jump up and down and they do all these things. And I think we think they're pumping themselves up, but a, a lot of times they're, they're calming themselves down, but you see them. And when they do it in slow motion, it almost looks like they're made of rubber, right? Because yeah, of there's yeah. nothing. And I remember when I ran, it was clenched jaw, you know, like this. And that was probably why I wasn't yeah. very good as a sprinter, but, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Sorry to
1: interrupt, but it no, you're no, you're right. Mate. Like it they're so good, counterintuitive. <laughs> they're very, very good points because it is paradoxical, right? Like, and this is a, a very, a very big discovery that I've made through through this time of doing this is that there's a lot of paradoxes, and when you can understand paradoxes, you it just it brings you to that next level, and um, you know, the other part that really became apparent was that the body will keep going. Like the body is the body's amazing in that way. You you know I mean the world record for breath holding is twenty two minutes, right? So like you so your body will retain oxygen, your body will regenerate, your body will do all of these really interesting things. It's the mindset. It's the mindset of the owner of the body that that is the difference, right? So like when you've trained your mindset to withstand extreme pain or extreme cold or extreme, uh, you know, anything. And you can see that, um, you know, the yogis have been doing that for thousands of years, right? And they've studied them. You know, you can, you can go and find the science on some of those guys and go, how how was this done in the seventies? And I'm only reading about it now, right? I'm like, what? I'm like, why does it take 30, 20, 100 years for this stuff to kind of come into our psyche now and for us to go, oh, hang on, you know, Wim, I mean, you know, talk about Wim. I, I, I've, um, you know, I've had personal dealings with um, with Wim. Like, you know, the stuff that he bought himself capable to do, yes, breathing is part of it, Right. But really, it's just it's it's a mindset. I mean, he'd experience some, he'd been able to focus a deep amount of pain and grief that he for, from things that had happened in his life, and right. channel that effectively, right? And channel it into into these things that he was able to do. Well, you know, that is available to every person. It's not it's not like some people are are excluded of that. Everybody has the ability. Does everybody want to be? you know, an extremist. In, no, and that's that's not. However, it is a worthwhile, it's a worthwhile pursuit to um, understand your mindset and to understand how you can grow your mindset, how you can come to, you know, lean on discomfort, if that's your thing, or, you know, like we all know in the business world, believe in yourself, you know, you know, get over yourself and start implementing and doing things right. Like that's, so that, they were the two really interesting aspects that came out of that whole thing. Um, I left the military, started up my own business and personal training, got that to a really successful point. And again, same, same thing. I'm like, how do I make this more simple and how do I make it more profound? And so, you know, Angie and I decided, okay, let's, let's just Let's, what, what's the what's the one thing? What's the one thing, um, you know, that's really going to move the needle the most, give people the, the the biggest bang for buck? And the more we broke it down, and the more we shook it out, the more we we, we found two things were really prominent. One is that in personal growth or mindset growth, physiology often gets missed. The physiology people people will go and do you know they'll do all the questions all the affirmations they'll go to all the seminars they'll jump up and down they'll pump themselves up, but the body has certain uh, it, the body has a psychology attached to it the body has an in- inherent wisdom in it that if you don't address or connect with your physiology you will keep having these habits or these things that will come up and you just won't you you, you won't know where they come from because you haven't made that mind-body connection, right? You haven't, you haven't got down to that physiological level and gone, what is this? And so we found that um, breathing is, that, is really that bridge. It's that gateway. Breathing will allow you to get into your physiology because all your behaviours get expressed through your breathing. That's mm-hmm. why you know, people's breathing changes from moment to moment. You're in one situation, you're going to breathe a certain way. Stand up on a stage in front of a thousand people, you're going to breathe a different way right like we like you even even me saying that people recognizing it and thinking about certain situations if it's hair raising you're going to find your breathing's going to shift so if you're expressing everything through your breathing and it's behavior related well i think that there's belief i think that there's belief also attached in there as well and and we've seen that when, when, we can, uh, when we can guide somebody to shift their breathing and to start recognize it, building their awareness around it, and then start these other practices of CO2 tolerance, of understanding the flow of their breath, it's almost for us, Kurt, it's been like we've seen what personal development promised but couldn't deliver and we've seen it delivered through the breathing, right? Like the, the, the one caveat on that is that it's a self initiated, self maintained system. You have to have the willingness to want to do it. Right. And if the willingness is not there, then you'll just be like, well, what's this? What's this stuff? It's just another woo woo meditation thing. Or, you know, right. and we've seen that as well, you know. So there's, so it's a, it's a pot of gold sitting there for everybody. <laughs> it's low hanging fruit for success, is what I would say.
0: Yeah. And, and, and the, um, you know, I do my 20 minutes of exercises a day and sometimes I, I can't get myself in the mindset to do it because the Wim Hof stuff is, is it's aggressive. Mm-hmm. And I actually found, you know, Wim says do it in the morning and people say, you got to do it in the morning. My energy, I'm very kinetic in the morning. I have to go out for a walk. I have to read. I, there's certain things I, I have to like be active. Mm-hmm. The breathing was stressing me out in the morning. It actually was stressing me out. So I walk and I, I do slow breathing and I do that type of stuff. But I found out for my energy, my energy would fall around three in the afternoon. So what I do, I've been doing, I didn't do it today though. I went on the deck, I go on our back deck. So he, it's, it's really hot and humid here in Charleston and it feels like a sauna. I mean, when you're in the sun, it is, it, it's hot, it's humid I actually go outside in the heat and I do the breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. Now it's between the heat and the breathing, which probably heats me up more. And there's that kind of deep meditation. I mean, I go in deeper than I ever do when I go inside or whatever in the sun and it's just everything. And I, I'm out of it. Like my wife thinks I'm just going to collapse and die someday, but I Mm feel, I feel incredible. Mm -hmm. But what you're talking about is more than just, okay, like, okay. You know, for instance, we've we're moving, so we've sold all our furniture, so right now i 'm standing, which is a good practice anyways, but my I have no desk, I have no office furniture if I turn this around it 's a bare room, so it 's kind of funny. so I have a stand up desk that what I noticed I started doing this three days ago, and I do a lot of calls I do podcast interviews throughout the day, at the end of the day, I felt like I ran ten miles mm. and my hips and everything but it was good, it was a good thing, so I bring that up because take away the breathing. There are people who will work out very intensely three, four times a week for a half hour, and then spend the rest of the day, forget nutrition. They spend the rest of the day sitting and sedentary. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you make it, it part of your day, it's better. So with breathing, you know, I kind of have my set 20 minutes. You're, you work with folks to make it a, a lifestyle and part yep. of their, their d- throughout the day.
1: Yeah, it, it, what what you bring up is so important, Kurt. And there's a couple of things that I want to I want to talk a little bit about the certain breathing methods and why they do certain things for certain people. I think it'd be very useful for, yeah. for people to understand that. But what you're bringing up there is, um, and we've seen this a lot, right? Like where someone will come in and they'll do, they'll either have a breathing experience or they'll do an intervention type breathing, right? So, so a, a method like WIMS method, it's an intervention type method. And there's a very big difference between intervention and self-regulation. Right. Self-regulation is kind of like, if you, if you put it, put it in terms of the, um, you know, give someone a fish versus teaching them to fish. Sure. If that, if that makes sense, right. The self-regulation is like teaching someone to fish. Right. And, um, and what, what happens is people will have the experience and they'll leave it on the mat. That's what I always used to say. Like they'll have some kind of profound experience or that, and they'll leave it on the mat. They don't actually integrate it into their life. So Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is we're talking about you uh, discovering unconscious breathing dysfunctions or habits, bringing them out into the open, unpacking them or installing new habits and then putting that back into the unconscious so that when you're, so that when, um, you know, it's like having a force field on you. When pressure comes on you, your, your your automatic breathing mechanism kicks in and you start breathing in a way that is, you know, offensive or defensive to that situation. And that becomes an un- unconscious habit that you have, right? And that that can, you can learn that through breathing methods, right? What I mean by method, you know, take, uh, you know, even the yogi stuff, pranayama, or if you do tumo or, you know, any of these methods, but the difference is with a method is you're intervening into something that's happening, right? You're going, oh, I feel this. So I'm going to go and lay down and do my 30 rounds of breathing or you get up in the morning and you want to, you want to get pepped up. So you'll go and lay down and do your, I'm, I'm, that's a, that's, inter, that's intervening because you're feeling I'm talking about you not even doing that your body just naturally coming mm-hmm. in and augmenting either your O2 or CO2 through the depth or rate of your breathing does that does that kind of that kind of Yeah
0: concept? no it, absolutely it, it does I think um let me ask you this is and for those who have done Wim Hof I actually have a funny story it, it, I mean it's it's very When I, when I first did it for a few months, I was doing it wrong. And I'm like, what's everyone talking about? And then once I started doing it right, it's especially the first one until you really get into it, like into the set, like it takes about a, the second round for me just to lose my thoughts and myself, but it's, it's aggressive. It's like, it's the difference between going for a walk and I'm going to do a hard sprint workout Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, you know I follow a primal lifestyle primal workouts, where mm-hmm. I used to do chronic cardio, and I broke myself down, raised cortisol, all this. Mm-hmm. So now, once, twice a week, I'll do a sprint workout that takes like 12 minutes, mm-hmm. but then I just do walking and, and pretty slow walking the rest of yeah. the week. Do you recommend something like I guess it, maybe it's apples and oranges, but <laughs> where you regu- se- self-regulation throughout the day? but you do recommend a couple times a week or something doing the intervention? Or are you saying, no, oh, if you're, if you're doing it the right way, you don't need the intervention.
1: And both. I uh, answer, answer to that is both. It's, um, it's knowing the difference. That's, that's the real, that's the real point, right? Because what we're doing is that's the difference between dealing with something that's systemic, right? Because his, um, I'll, I'll, I'll paint this out, right? Like everybody, has got two things happening in their breathing. They've got their natural breathing instinct being the chemical axis where your body is consistently controlling your breathing muscles so that you're breathing in a way that's keeping your blood pH in balance. That's really the story, right? That that regulation regulates the, the brain stem, it regulates the nervous system, it regulates the the, the fluid that goes into the brain, all, all this stuff, right? Your, your, your breathing is regulating all these things. So, Then you've got your actual breathing mechanism, which is how you physically breathe, right? And the interesting thing about this system is that you can take it out of automatic and put it into manual drive. Now, there's not many other systems in your body that does that. Mm. So there's a reason for it, right? Like There's a reason for you to be able to do that because you need to augment your breathing in certain situations if you need it to, right? Hold your breath underwater. These sorts of things are, are things that we can do what happens, though, is if you do a method, say, and we'll use the example of, of the Wim Hofman, if you do a method when you're already got a dysfunction like hypercapnia, and what hypercapnia is, is it means that you're off ventilating too much CO2 right? Too much CO2. What that can do is that can, right, the, the list is as long as your arm. Everything from feeling like you're going to have a heart attack to headaches, to aggression, to grumpiness, irritation, you name it, hypercapnia will have the, these effects on you and it's their symptoms, right? So if you take, so out of a, out of a room of a hundred people that may come into a, a breathing session like that, you're probably going to have a third of them are going to hate it they're gonna go, this is the worst experience of my life. It made me feel like I was nearly gonna die, it made me feel like I was gonna suffocate. And I've heard this. I mean, you 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 probably might have heard this if you've talked about it with other people. There's just certain people that go, I, I can't do that, or I won't do that. There's a third of people that will be a bit indifferent about it. They'll be like, eh. And then there'll be this third that'll say, That was the greatest spiritual okay. experience I've ever experienced. I I saw God, I visited my dead parents, you know, I've heard like, you know, we've done rooms of up to 500 people, um, you know, uh, you know, we've done rooms smaller. So there's all different experiences. And what that comes down to is it comes down to where their chemical access is at that mm-hmm. time. So if they've been overventilating CO2, when they start doing aggressive circular breathing, they are going to feel like crap. They're going to mm-hmm. go, this is, this is not for me. That's where this, this, uh, idea of self-regulation versus, intervention comes in, when you understand the self-regulation part of it and you do something like before you do, say, for example, before you do the circular breathing that you would do in, involved in uh, Wim's thing and, you know, circular breathing is circular breathing. It's been around for, for thousands of years. You might want to do a CO2 tolerance hold. So you might want to just pause your breath at the bottom of the breath because the CO2 tolerance is involved in it. The reason you do feel, the reason there's been, the reason so many people have had so many Uh, positive effects, but there's also been a lot of negative effects from, say, something like Wim's method is because of that CO2 hold. Because of that hold and allowing the CO2 to come back up, what that's doing is that's then balancing the gases out and people are getting profound effects from that. And the more you do it, that, that... tolerance of CO2 is a thing that actually takes you out of the uncomfortable feeling from the aggressive Mm. circular breathing. Right. So, you know, you said you kind of like got to a stage after you did it for a while, it was really uncomfortable. And then it became more comfortable. Yeah. That's because you're, that's because you've moved your CO2 set point. You've moved the tolerance up. Right. So if you do that prior to doing it, you'll have a different experience. Right. So there's, Mm. so it's understanding how your body regulates it's itself naturally and and becoming more and you know um, it's kind of like this, Kurt. It's kind of like bringing your ego and intuition together, right? Like it's a very intuitive. Kind of aspect in your body, this this uh, chemical axis and how it how it functions. So, when you put some focus on it, you become more aware of your body. That way, you can do these aggressive type of breathing things, and you won't get the same effects. You won't get the really bad cramping in the hands, or you know, you, because right. what you're doing is you're maintaining, you're naturally and intuitively maintaining the right amount of CO2. So you know, to just go out there and teach people really aggressive, circular breathing, (laughs) it's not the greatest idea. It's, it's, you know, and and that's why there is a lot of people that are pushing back on these things and people say you shouldn't do it. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, I'm currently studying uh, the, the, the first, it's the first of its kind of a breathing science degree um, with a, with a guy named Peter Litchfield um, and he runs the graduate school of behavioral sciences. And he, that it's a, it's such an interesting course because it's talking about this relationship between behavior, physiology, and breathing. Um, you know, in, in itself, um, and yeah, it's just it's a it's really like it's taken my level of breathing to a different to a way to a way different uh, level, and. You know to be honest with you, Kurt, I, I don't consider myself a, a breath worker like i'm not I'm not in the breath worker space i I work specifically with um with entrepreneurs. I work specifically okay. with business leaders um and really, what we do is lower their reactivity. so they're not so they're not losing team members and and uh, and ruining their relationships and and things like that. so it's it's really um, The reason I study this is because it has such a profound effect on how you show up, how you show up in being the best version of you and that that aspect of becoming the best version of you, you know, the difference between being and becoming and breathing helps you in that process. So that's why I study it to the degree that I study it at is because it single-handedly, like when you learn to start um, you know, getting into your breathing and being your breathing and becoming more, um, more aware of it. It's yeah. There's it, huge. It's a huge gold mine.
0: Hey everyone, it is September 2020, and you know what that means? All month long, we are celebrating the one year anniversary of the release of my Amazon best selling book, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. So here's what I ask you to do go to Instagram and go to my account, the.freedomlifestyle, the.freedomlifestyle, and throughout the month of September, we're gonna be announcing a number of special activities and events. Guess what, right now, if you go to Kindle, you can get the Kindle version of my book for just 99 cents. But we're also gonna be announcing special book giveaways, hardcover signed copies of my book, a new special email course I'll be offering. That's throughout the month of September. But to learn more about it, go to Instagram and look up my account, lifestyle. We're marking the one year anniversary of the release of Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle throughout the month of September. And I want you to be a part. A couple of things specifically to what you said and and CO2. So when you're saying you're overventilating CO2 and and CO2, everyone says, no, CO2 is bad. Right. You don't want to do it. And I, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to get into a pro mask anti mask debate because it's it's gone off the rails here like everything else in the United States. But it's like, well, you're breathing your own CO2. It's bad. And it's all this when you say overventilation, what do you mean? Like explain, is it, is it, you don't have enough? Is it too much? Is it just, is it regulation? Is it more in in reference to that? How much oxygen, you know what I mean?
1: This is, this is, this floored me when I found this out, Kurt. We actually breathe too much. Hmm. Most of us are breathing too much. And, and what, what we mean by that is it's a, it's a combination of rate depth all these things, but really, what it is is it's that off ventilating of too much CO two, right? So, what um, what happens is, as you breathe in and out, you have oxygen comes in in the air, and your body's perfusing that oxygen out. You know, it goes from your lungs into your blood, right? And it and it happens through a certain mechanism. It happens through the exchange of CO two, and that, that basically what happens is the CO2 gets punched out and the oxygen comes in and binds to the blood, right? Like being simplistic, right? So yeah. when you don't have enough CO2 there, it doesn't matter how much air you puff into your lungs, it's not going to exchange from the lungs into the blood. So that's Indeed. number one, right? And, th- and they call that the Bohr bore, the bore effect. You can, you can look that up. It's, a, it's been around again. This is stuff that's been around since the seventies, right? Like, so, so then, so that's one, right? Then as it travels in your blood, it does the same thing when it gets to, to all the tissues, it requires CO2 then to punch out and for the oxygen to transfer from the blood into your tissues. So again, you could have oxygen rich blood, but if you don't have the right amount of CO2, that oxygen will not go out of your blood and go into your tissues. So, so there's this, so this, this mechanism of CO2 is required to do these transfers. It also buffers the salts in your blood, in your blood pH. So, you know, we know the blood pH is super important. Everyone's trying to drink green drinks, pH balanced water. Guess what? It's all for naught. Your breathing controls all of that right? Oh it'll God. have very... Don't it'll, tell me
0: that. Don't tell... We, we bought the Kangan water. Yeah, because <laughs> dude, of
1: all the dude, there's nothing... Trust me, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with taking notice of your water. F- huge thing, right? Having clean water is, is huge. Yeah. The, the, the thing is that, that breathing is like, you know, way... It's just way more important when it comes to your, your blood pH and things like that. Um, so what, what often happens is the more stress... So the more stress our environment puts on us, the more we breathe in a way that's off-ventilating the CO2. So it's too much. So we don't have enough to do those exchanges. And this is what blew me away. The number is 60% of ambulance calls out, call-outs in the US alone are from people having hypercapnic episodes. They're not from the heart attacks. They're not from people having kidney failure. They're not from any of these things. They are from... Because when they get to the hospital, they go... We can't find anything wrong with you. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong. How, you know, if you were to ask a lot of people that do suffer from something chronic, whether it's you know you name it, autoimmune deficiency, right through to diabetes or things like that, if you look at these numbers and if the if the if if the, if this is true, which I believe it is, there is this massive story about not having the right CO2 levels in your body because it just it has all these it has all these symptoms that it brings up. So what's happening to us most of the time is and why CO2 tolerance has become an important thing is because we're not retaining enough CO2. So we're breathing too much. Right? And that's and again that's a paradox, right? Because everyone's like, "Well, if I want to relax, don't I take a big deep breath?" You would think that. But that is not how your body works. In fact, the quieter and smaller breathing you can do when you're having a panic attack that is how you'll stop the panic attack you won't stop the panic attack from big deep breaths it'll it'll probably more than likely exacerbate it right wow, and this the difference between nose and mouth breathing again another huge thing you know where a lot of us are breathing through our mouth a lot should be breathing through our nose a lot more you know especially when we sleep so it yeah it it goes it goes deep and wide With these,
0: I've read, I've read the difference between the nose and the mouth and, and Nestor writes about it in his book in terms of Mm -hmm. even the shape of our jaws evolutionary, but also what's happening to kids and their Mm -hmm. mouths and the size of their mouths, but also the epidemic or whatever you want to call it of sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. which then leads to other issues and people having heart attacks or crashing their cars. I remember my dad had sleep apnea and at one point he fell asleep driving because he, yeah. he was so overtired. Um, well, before I go to the pH, cause I want to ask you about the pH, the blood yeah. pH. So just real simple. I mean, I mean, without any specific exercises throughout the day, breathe through our nose. Now, when you say smaller breaths, you can take longer breaths in longer breaths out kind of, I I do a thing where it helps me go to sleep or at least I, someone told me it does. So I guess it works. Maybe it's, maybe it's fake, (laughs) but I also, sometimes I I call myself down with a, uh, what is it? A, a four, seven, eight, where I breathe in to four, hold it for seven, breathe out eight, but I do it. Through the nose and then I exhale through my mouth. Maybe I should exhale
1: through my nose. I don't know, but well, no, no, no. So, so that you know that works because of the mechanics of the gases, right? Like what you're doing is when you are number one. As soon as you focus on your breathing, your breathing changes. Number one. As soon as you go, I'm going to think about my breathing. It, it'll change, right? Yeah. And. And number two, when you're, when you're putting it into account... Now, I've, I'm not a big advocate of counting um, because you can also be exacerbating uh, different breathing problems that you have, right? So um, And th- there's a whole other story that goes with that and the reason why. But what you're actually doing is by extending your exhale, that tones, that gives you vagal tone. So that's actually calming the nervous system down. That's why you get that longer count, yeah. At the end, but as you're slowing down your exhale as well, you're retaining the right amount of c o two as you're doing it, right? so you're changing you're changing the levels, which immediately why you feel like yeah you just you you start to feel relaxed big component of it is your mindset. you're obviously telling yourself you're relaxing as well. so there's <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a combination of different things, but what you're, initially what you're doing is you're changing or augmenting your breathing, which is going to change the gases, which means that it's not unconscious anymore or you're not having external stimulus is, is dictating how you're breathing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so.
0: absolutely. The, the counting is interesting because I don't want to harp on, on the Wim Hof stuff, but for a while I was counting myself and I couldn't get into it. Then I got his app and he counts. And he's also got that, just his voice and whatever. So generally, obviously there's a lot of things that you teach. I want to get into how people can work with you, Mm -hmm. but generally throughout the day, nasal breathing, longer Mm -hmm. exhales. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that kind
1: of a general, Uh, generalized? they're, they're, They're two good things. What I would add to that, Kurt, and you can do this. This is really simple. Imagine the shape of a triangle in your mind and just bring your breath into the shape of a triangle. So you can just do it now, just draw it in until you get to the top point, let it go out to the bottom point and then pause along the bottom. Hmm. Now do that again and pause for longer than you would in taking your next breath. Just, Just sit in that pause for a little bit longer. Like you'll feel it when you feel like taking the next breath, just pause it and then naturally come out of it. If you do those small little pauses to tolerate CO2, you're doing the microdosing on the fear of death. That, that, that mm. in itself is probably one of the most powerful things that people can do. Imagine a triangle, breathe in, breathe out and pause and extend the pause. And that building up of the CO2 will um, counteract the hypercapnia, right? Like if you, if you continually to build it up and it's a, it's a still an intervention in itself, right? You still, it's still something you're doing to try and regulate. It still doesn't fix a systemic problem of you chronically over breathing because that's a, that's a behavioral problem that you, that you need to do sort of like physiological work around. But does that make sense? Like just. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know
0: it, it does. And I, I felt that. And, and on those, I read something about this and I tried to do it uh and the first time I chose to do it was on a bike ride. <laughs> and it was I felt like I was gonna die because I was I was breathing in slowly, but trying to breathe out to like 10 right. or 12 or whatever. Right. Um and I was doing it all through my nose as well. Breathing in through my nose is great. Breathing out through my nose, especially when you're going. That's a little tougher, especially well, if you have a little, little, yeah, that, in your nose. It,
1: well, Kurt, it's a, it's a, um, you know, it's a muscle, right? Like, and here's the interesting thing I, th- I think that, um, sometimes you miss these little intricate things. You know how when you breathe out through your nose, you feel this back pressure. And I think people feel that and go, Oh, it doesn't feel like I'm getting the air out. But what that's doing is that back pressure actually causes the alveoli in your lungs to open. Right, so breathing in and out through your nose, it's a slightly different type of pressure. But what it's doing is you're absorbing, you're absorbing and getting profusion of oxygen much better because of that back pressure. Okay. So you, so you're getting used to. You're getting used to there just being that little bit of back pressure as you're breathing in and breathing out. So again, this comes down to that awareness part, right? Like when you start becoming more aware of how you breathe and and just those small little things, you'll lessen the fear of thinking that you're not going to get the air in and out enough. And then you'll become more proficient at breathing through your nose. And pretty soon, you know, I with my clients, I always say to them, listen through your nose because when they stop to listen and they breathe through their nose a couple of things happen one they actually listen to their to to whoever they're talking to which is an important skill when you're a leader oh, in business yeah right and number two you're you're actually retaining more information because of because of that there's a there's there was a really obscure study that was done but it's been done quite a number of times where they said uh, information recognition For people as they're breathing in through their nose is higher because of the um, there's a very thin separation between the nasal cavity and and the cortex and so there's actually this correlation between retaining information in breathing through the nose it's absolutely fascinating stuff but you you're teaching this skill to people and people are actually listening far better and you are less likely. To just blurt out the stuff that you're thinking in your head, which we all know we could do with yeah. a couple of prints in between what, what is about to come out and what should come out. Right. <laughs> so, so they're, so they're just these small little, there's a small little 1%, I call them 1%ers, but I think that they're, they're 1%ers that, you know, they're course corrections. And when people, when, when people get that as a leader, they be, their, their leadership skills become way more effective. That's incredible. And, and,
0: uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the same thing I reject kind of in workouts, right? That just because it's intense means it's good for you just because it hurts. And so sometimes, especially with COVID, right, which is lungs. And you you read these stories of, of the oxygen uh, of their blood looking black and thick, like tar. Mm-hmm. And so I think, well, oh, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do the Wim Hof and my gosh, these lungs are going to be good. <laughs> but what you're saying is you're, you can actually strengthen those just through your daily inhalations you don't have to go for it right
1: and <laughs> in, in in fact one one more on top of that could is that your your mechanism, the breathing mechanism, is actually designed for you to not be really taking massive breaths. Mm. Like it's designed to be a natural, it's it's almost designed for you to not be taking notice of it. And and a lot of the tension buildup that we were talking about at the start, a lot of the tension that people build up in their body is because they're actually intervening in their in their breathing unconsciously and not in a not in a good way. i you know. Angie always laughs at me because she goes. Sometimes you say things because I always say to people, um, you could if you don't take notice of your breathing, your your body will breathe you into the grave. Basically, like you'll it, it will breathe in a certain way, you know, because the environment's so intense. How you know we live in the Western environment, so intense, right? Like that, mm. it causes you to 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 be already in this aggressive type of breathing state, right? And that. Given, where, given someone's disposition, it can either show up as anxiety or show up as de- a, a severe depression as well. It shows up in both spectrums, right? So, um, you know, what you're describing is more finesse. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm 43 this year, to think about it. I'm 43 okay. this year. Most of my clients are over 30. And the one thing that I've said to all of my clients is that once you reach 30 the body's hormonal system starts to, starts to regress then, right? Like you, and, and the elevator ride into the rest of your life can either be a really fast ride down or it can be a nice smooth sort of sail into it. And <clears throat> the concept is, is moving from adrenalized energy to natural energy. Right. And adrenalized energy is that go, 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 you know, rah, rah, rah. And you, you know, I mean, you can see you can see certain people, they get into their fifties, they're still doing that stuff, and then all of a sudden everything cops out, right? The body starts going, the mind starts going, you know, diseases show up. Because you 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 need to when you get above 30, you need to start thinking about how do I transition into this natural energy. And how I describe natural energy is pretty much like I was saying to you before, learning to relax into things. You know, it's it's that difference from going from warrior to sage, right? Like you you make that transition to starting to be more, you know, starting to be wiser about what you do about how you achieve things, about what it means, you know? Do you need to be brutally pushing through or anything like that? And you know, the reality is, is no, you don't. The body doesn't. The body breaks down faster if you do that. So you know, it's a it's a very different mind mindset shift, and it's very stubborn. Like the clients I work with, it's it's a stubborn it's a stubborn shift for some people.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I when I start to think about my breathing, it almost makes me nervous, and then I start breathing more, and then I'm like, wait, I calm down, you know. pH uh, uh, pH levels yeah. in the blood and alkalinity and acidic, and you know, my wife started talking to me about this a couple of years ago, and I was like, I I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't know. I mean, she started talking about everything from cancer to acne, mm-hmm. you know, these types of things, and 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 you know, the water, uh, and and actually people putting water on certain things on their, on their thing. And, and it's, in, it's, it's interesting now because we have our water, the alkalized water, alkalized, alkaline, mm-hmm. I can't, ionized, I guess will clean stuff off that will not be cleaned by anything else, you know? And, and so, but from a breathing standpoint, because I've heard Wim talk about the alkalinity mm-hmm. acidity. Mm-hmm. And then I was just talking to someone else who had read a little bit about what's going on right now with COVID and that there might be an alkalinity acidity connection there Mm. in terms of, I I, I keep reading about this where they bring them up and, and, and their, their blood almost looks like they were uh, stranded on Mount Everest Mm. or it's like black tar without the oxygen. It's everything kind of stripped out. And, and so talking about that. And so I've started thinking about that a lot. Now I drink more water, right. But the, but the, how does breath breathing influence it? But I guess even before we get there, why does it matter? You know, you yeah. think acidic and, and, and then, you know, cause acidic and, and this is probably too much information, but it's like, I'll drink too much alkaline water. And I didn't realize this when I eat and yeah. I was like, I massive stomach pains. Yes. Like I got to take yeah. that. So there's a lot going on with it.
1: Oh, let me, okay. Let me start here, Kurt. You can do anything to, to excess, right? that, um, I, Two, two of my most famous sayings that that I always uh, remind myself of is "Know thyself." These are on the, the the temple at Delphi in the in the ancient Greeks. Just below that is "Nothing in excess." Hmm. Right. That's 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 there. You can breathe too much, you can drink too much water, you, can, you you name it, you can do it too much. That's why balance exists in you know in most things in nature and in the universe. All right. So that's so that's one one aspect of it. The second thing is with blood pH, you know, the, the reason that your pH needs to be at a certain level in your body is so that the electrical charge, number one can take the life force through your body. Mm. And number two, all your hormones, everything that regulates everything, is a function in one way or another of, of also of blood pH, the right, the right balance. You know, the blood needs to have the right amount to flow. One of the biggest things, though, is when it becomes too acidic. You know, people talk about heart attacks, and you know, I think people are still there's still some people out there that think that you get a heart attack from eating too much fat or that this cholesterol yeah. thing. The funny thing is, is cholesterol is created by your body to create uh, to protect your arteries from acidic blood. Right, like your blood being at the wrong, at the wrong pH. So, you know, does you know, it it makes sense that your body's trying to protect itself from it being at a certain, a certain range. And if you think about, um, you know, how a battery works, well, it needs the battery needs the right amount of salts in there, which which you know, electrolyte balance and all this stuff. <clears throat> Without getting too deep into the chemistry, it's really about. Your, your, your body flows and maintains homeostasis, the right temperature, all these things through a balance a balanced pH system in the blood because it's one of those things that if it gets off even by a little by a little degree it causes all sorts of problems in the body right like you know massive massive traumas in the body when that happens so that's one important aspect to it. Your breathing regulates it from breath to breath. Like your breathing, your breathing um, in conjunction with circulatory system and your kidneys is constantly keeping that those salt buffers balanced. And this story about CO2, because the CO2 is the main little, it's the main gas that's regulating all of this, which is why it's so important. Which is why when you have these very minute changes in the co2 which affect blood ph it affects everything it affects it affects whether your vesicles will open and dilate in the brain which you know you know most people suffer from headaches and they go well, i don't know what they are you know like you go to a doctor the doctor goes oh, i don't know I'd be, stop stressing go and do some yoga <laughs> you know, drink some water you know like and, and these things are all they're great advice, but really what it is, it's a, it's, it's a CO2 issue. It's, it's the, it's the, they're not getting the right amount of CO2, which is causing the constriction. And that causes a lot of phantom pain. You know, this pain, people go, I have chronic pain. And it's so interesting when you read about pain because your body is not supposed to experience chronic pain. Our nerve endings don't nothing is set up for that. So a lot of it is it can be psychological but it's also this thing about the vesicles restricting in certain areas of the body and that's another whole interesting topic right Like the, the topic about chronic pain. but this CO2 tolerance, again, it's like a it, it's a magic pill for you to be able to, um, blanket address those things. Do you know what I mean by that? Blanket address means it's not, not specific, but I haven't, I have not had a client or had someone yet who I haven't said, Hey, try this CO2 tolerancing. And they haven't come back to me and gone, my God, like they're like, "I, I would never have thought that just pausing my breath and learning to tolerate that and it would have so much of an effect, but I don't go into, you know, obviously we can't see their blood pH or we can't, you know, there's many other things that we can't see, but I'm, I'm assuming that through what I know that that's, it's having an effect in those areas. So did, did that answer your question? Yeah, no, it, it did. Absolutely. And, and
0: it's, it's interesting, these things we don't think about. I mean, you brought up the cholesterol thing. And I mean, the simple answer is, you know, uh, breath work and breathing doesn't make, pharmaceutical companies' money. Right. And, and <laughs> it, it, there's a reason doctors don't prescribe this. I mean, even, even something, I mean, this is a little off topic, but there are now mainstream studies on vitamin D and COVID. Yep. I have a doctor yep. in my family. No, 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 that's just whatever. Right. Well, well, wow. Vitamin D I can go pick up. Right. I don't need a prescription. I don't need to go. So Wow, you know what I mean, um, and and so a lot of these things are they sell and they they produce money, and the cholesterol produces probably other problems, and the brain sheath, in addition to what you mentioned, and and so when we have the ability to heal ourselves through a variety of means, well, that's free. That's not making anyone money. There's there's
1: your, there's your freedom aspect as well. Um, this is a this is another really huge topic close to to us. And actually, Angie and I um, wrote a a very short book on, um, we we called it Eight Superhuman Habits. And really what it is, is it's getting sunlight, it's grounding, it's water, it's looking at breathing, um, you know, it's understanding um, food from... Food from an aspect in relationship to mitochondria, and how and how we start preserving our mitochondrial uh, density in our body, because really that's where your energy comes from. But you mentioned vitamin D. You know, sunlight yeah. is the most profound thing that you can ever do for your body in in relationship to. And I'll I'll say this very simply. Everything that gets produced in your body as far as a hormone or a building block for the cell starts out as light, sunlight that comes in through your eye and it gets bent in the water in the mitochondria and produces a protein, right? Like it's, it's, it's such a phenomenal... Uh, it's something that you would read and go, that is not how it works, surely. Yeah. It's so unbelievable, but the thing is, is we are all deficient in sunlight, especially morning sunlight. And you know, like with a lot of our clients, we've had we've had clients that have, um, you know, that have been on the brink of suicide, that have been really feeling really really down. And I'm like, I know this is going to sound strange, go and sit and watch the sunrise for at least four to five mornings. Just get yourself out of bed and go and do it. And you know, it, it changes people. Like they're just like they're like. I forgot how beautiful it was. I forgot, you know, let alone what it's actually doing for them in 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 starting to build up. You know, the mitochondria starts firing up again. They start feeling better. You know, everything starts to come online. Their hormone system kicks back in because the circadian rhythm is starting to be um, put back in. You know, and we, I think that what we do, Kurt, is we forget that we are part of nature. Mm. I think that's one of the biggest misgivings that we have. Like, we just we we think we are separate from nature because we have free will and we have this mind that can bend things and change things and create artificial things. But ultimately, we are not. We still have a body. We are not. We are not detached. And the further detached we become, the more problems we're going to start to see. Which which we're seeing today, uh,
0: COVID yeah. and, and otherwise. Why well, you know, why? Real quick, what the, the morning sun, other than the, the beauty of the sunrise, you know, I was always taught, oh, between 10 and 2 is the best time. But why, why the morning sun?
1: Why- yeah, that's a, that it's a very specific um, aspect to it. The our body requires blue and red light balance, it requires all the spectrums, but especially this blue and red light, right? And we get an oversupply of fake blue light. From all the devices we're on, um, yeah, you know, I don't have them on at the moment. But I'm—I've usually got blue blockers that I wear yeah, all day long. Isn't it? They're built in, so yeah, <laughs> yep. So you know, um, you know, I have them on there. Sometimes I don't wear them because we've got lots of natural light coming in and things like that in the room here. Um, but that um, you can't. Like, <laughs> this is really interesting, too, Kurt. You cannot patent or reproduce sunlight you can't reproduce it. It can't be reproduced. So it's, so, it's, so it's something that's free that cannot be patented or reproduced, right? And when you get it from that time that it comes up from, the, from when it comes over the horizon and you can allow it to come into your eye, the, the little benzene rings in your eye is what creates melatonin. So you get the biggest dose of melatonin. Now everyone thinks melatonin is just for sleep, but it's actually the most powerful antioxidant that you have in your body. Right, and I I didn't know that. I was like, oh wow, really? And so it affects retinol, vitamin A. So so you know you hear this thing. This is what this is. This is what's really interesting. What are the things you're hearing about COVID? That if you really listen, they say vitamin D, vitamin C, and vitamin A deficiencies are the things. Well, guess what? You get you get that that whole aspect of that comes through sunlight like you'll get that through sunlight, right? And yet they're telling everyone hide in your basement until we've got a vaccine. Yeah, right, it's right. Just, it, it's, it's a very silly, like if you were really looking from a an, an, uh, nature and a health perspective, it's very silly advice that, that we're all given, right? Like, and if you can get yourself some sunlight, do it. But this what happens is this process happens. And then when the sun gets to about that nine or 10, it becomes strong, right? Like, and so like anything, nothing in excess, right? Right. You, you know, like if you've got to step outside during the day, you can step out for two minutes or three minutes and stand in the full, in the full sunlight and you'll be fine. Right? Like it's, it's just how it is. It's, what we get is we get this whole myopic extreme view of, uh, you know, science and, and medicine. And they say, oh, you're going to get cancer if you're out in the sun. It's actually quite funny because the the studies on all-cause mortality, you know, they did this massive study in, the, in Europe and it just basically said sunlight is the greatest cause of, of all-cause mortality, of people dying, like lack of sunlight. Oh, lack of sunlight, right, right. Lack of sunlight, yeah, yeah. like... Boy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I,
0: I, you know, I've always known the power of, of of sunlight, but I never, I never made the time for it. And over the last several months, now I have. Just reading about the vitamin D and and the difference in absorption rates between a, a vitamin D drop. And the actual sun,
1: and oh, yeah, look, there's a whole lot of other. And I'm um, you mentioned that before as well, Kurt, about breathing in the sun, and that's a that's a little hashtag that Angie and I have, breathe in the sun, because we're like, get your double dose, right? Yeah. But you know, the other thing that you that you mentioned there, it's not only about the vitamin D. What it's about is it's about the vasodilation that happens when the sun goes onto your skin, and what happens is the blood rushes. Up, and the blood actually draws in magnetic energy. Like this is how you get energy in your body. It draws in the heat. The the they get excited, right? Like the the blood, and then they come back down. And they deliver that to to you know, like they deliver that um, that light to the mitochondria. It's a it's a massively fascinating. I, um, feel, I feel incredible after it, and I I, I yeah. almost feel
0: even if I don't do the breathing, I feel like I had a workout. And, and I sleep better. Like that night I'm out. I mean, I'm yeah. out and I I can't stay up late, you know? And, and, um, but, but getting in that sun is, is important. Mm. Shane, I, w- I want to thank you for spending time. We, I know we went over and I really appreciate it.
1: Angie's giving me, we, we've got another meeting. we got to
0: get to Angie's. Oh, I got, got it. Cool. cool. <laughs> so, I, I appreciate it. Shane, Where can people get in touch with you if they want to work with you? They're like, listen, I need this. You know, I, I need to learn more.
1: They can, they can find us. Uh, the company name is Breathe Me. You can Google Breathe Me. Um, you might get the song come up, but you'll find us there. You can find me on uh, Facebook. If you just look up my name, Shane Saunders, uh, we have a, a Facebook group, the Breathing Edge Facebook group. You can find that in there. Um, we do lots of stuff in there. We do live breathing sessions via Zoom and um, we're always in there kind of talking about everything that we're discussing you know, here. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it'd be great to do this again if you if you if you wanted to go deeper into some of the things yeah, Kurt, for sure. Absolutely, and I'm going yeah. to actually downloaded you
0: have a free uh, free resource on your site. I downloaded that and and then you and I need to set up a separate call just to start keep chatting on about <laughs>
1: beforehand. 100% I'll be very interested <laughs> to to get your view on that. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. Thanks, yeah, thanks for everyone watching. Thanks for everyone listening to this on the podcast. Shane Saunders, I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, everyone.